Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world, and we meet the person behind the reputation. My name is still Michael Pope, and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest is a PR warrior, or should I say, is the PR warrior. Starting out as a journalist, set the scene for identifying how to communicate a message to an audience. What followed is over 25 years of public relations and communications, running his own PR companies and working with some of the leading brands around the world to get their message right. A strong advocate of social media and a fervent desire to help companies and individuals make it work for them, our next guest is the PR warrior himself, Trevor Young. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Michael. Carson. Thanks, Trevor. Boys. Um, Pleasure. Let's cut to the chase. How do I get more likes? <laughs> now, I don't mean Facebook. I mean in life. How do I just get more people to love me? Um, I'm not a miracle worker, mate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, cruel, cruel. Um, actually, let's go to the end of where we normally go. We always sign off with telling people uh, the website that people can go to to get more information about our guests. And most of them have .com or .au. You're the first person that has <laughs> www.trevoryoung.me. Now, what's the thinking behind having that? Um, I couldn't get .com, and <laughs> I, uh, and I didn't. I want to be global, so you can't just have .com.au. Although I do own that, uh, I've forgotten what .me stands for. I thought it was Mauritius, but it's, obviously it's not. But it was a country. I went to a a, a a new media and blogging expo in LA a number of years back, and they were out pushing. Um, they were part of the expo, and this country. That's that's how they were making money through their uh, through um, their domain names. It doesn't cost any more to have a .me extension. No. I, no. I'm sorry, but I thought it was a really sensible, clever marketing choice to have me <laughs> as as the uh, the suffix at the end. But so, so what? Not so, so. Well, what no. Michael's saying is is edit out that previous answer and put the answer in now yeah. that you should be saying. <laughs> no, no. Well, it was um, it was uh, available, and it was one of the early different ones. It let was me put it that way, and yeah. obviously uh, it was being used for personal branding anyway, so it made a lot of sense. But today, of course, there's hundreds mm. of different ones which make it life pretty interesting. Uh, what am I going to pick? But yeah. I like .me. If you've got I, a personal website, .me works a treat and Google loves it. So so, so tell us the early days. Okay, so the early days, uh, I, I was a journalist. Um, I suppose you're never a, a former journalist. You're always a journalist somewhere along the line. Uh, I trained as a journalist. I didn't go to uni. I went straight into the newspaper as a cadet. And uh, I had the editor come at me straight away with an, and he said, I want a back page lead in 30 minutes. What newspaper was that? The Warwick Nabil Herald. Right. A little town of 3,000. And that's in Victoria. In Victoria and, um, and um, twice a week it came out. And, uh, well, you learn. You learn on the job. You right. learn straight away. You've got to get your own news. No one's giving you the news stories. There's no chief of staff. And so you develop a, a nose for news and what is a good story and what's a good hook. Hmm. And then? Oh, from then it's just uh, straight into the big smoke, which would be Melbourne, and uh, just joined uh, a PR firm, joined numerous PR firms over the journey. Right. Um, and ran my own um, for about 10 years from 1998 to 2008. Yeah. And um, which, we, which was acquired by Harold Mitchell's company. And, um, and then in 2007 was probably the turning point where I started this thing called blogging. I uh, started a blog called PR Warrior and... Um, and gee, it just it just grew from there. I was on um, I was on Twitter uh, in two thousand and seven, 
which was the glory days, 2007 to 2011, probably. When, when did they come in? That's a very early adopter. Yeah, I think it came around 2006, I think. Yeah, right. I was on LinkedIn in 2005 at a time when, if you ask someone to connect with you, they what are you, a stalker? Get away from me. <laughs> of course, that's not the, the case today. Um, so that changed my whole outlook on on life, on comms, on everything. The the fact that there is, you know, the gatekeepers are uh, not going to be there in the future, and uh, and that people could talk back to you, and you had a, a soapbox, and you could do all sorts of things, which was exciting for a communicator because the tools were coming in for for our industry that we probably always wanted. We, they just were never there. So before we go into that that world, what drew you into PR in the first place? Out of journalism into PR, what was the attraction? Well, in those days, a lot of journos went into PR because it was probably more around the media publicity side of things. So it was more by default as opposed to there was something shiny and bright that PR. Again, PR. again, fell into it. Yeah. It was. I did promotions for bands and pubs, and uh, I did you know, Cold Chisel promoted him, promoted Cold Chisel and Red Gum and run my own bands, and so I was always promoting. So I thought PR was promotion, mm. um, and I guess in those days it probably was a little bit more the, the industry's changed um, a heck of a lot since then and they love journalists you know like uh, my boss was a journalist and uh, and they just said that you know journalists pick up stuff but I was you know doing content back then doing newsletters and stuff like that so it was um, a lot of journos went into it in those days and picked it up a lot quicker than probably today where it's the discipline's changed uh, a lot. You mentioned the gatekeepers are uh, losing control over the gate. What, what's your feeling about social media and whether it sh- needs to or will become more monitored than it has at the beginning? Well, I think it's going to be inevitable there's change with Facebook and everything that's going on. Um, I'm, I'm a social media purist and I love what Twitter's become. Um, I, I, I bemoan the fact it's probably not as interactive and as engaging uh, as it used to be. But, you know, Twitter is still, you know, they, they've, they've cancelled. They, they've said there's no political advertising, for example. Right. Uh, whereas Facebook's still umming and ahhing. And Facebook hasn't sort of seen the light. Uh, whereas I think Twitter has and some of the others have, but it's... So, so, sorry, just drill down. What, what do you mean? I'm reading that you think it's a good thing to not have politi- political advertising? Well, I think it's 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 inevitable when they can't control it. Um, I'm, I'm obviously very free speech, but when, you know, there's a whole lot of issues about, you know, fake news and deep fake technology where you can create content mm-hmm. uh, and make do a video and make someone look real, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're the scary things for me. I, don't, I haven't got any answers for it but they're the scary things that worry me. But there's no doubt that, you know, Facebook needs more oversight. And if I was Facebook, I'd be looking for oversight more so than just being hands-off. I don't think they're doing enough. To get its reputation back for one thing. Yeah, absolutely. They've got to double down to get even triple down on all of those things to get win back the trust. And as we know, trust is is hard to to rebuild. Has Trump change the way Twitter is perceived or used these days? Oh, 100%. You know, like him or hate him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, people fall in both camps. But um, he's he's changed the ball game with that because he's he's bypassed the media. So he has bypassed the gatekeeper. He is the news. So he's added value to Twitter as, as a brand? Because it's now a go-to. If you want to hear direct from the source, go to Twitter. Yeah, I, I think it's always been that way. The influencers and the media, media people and the journalists and the the thought leaders and the columnists and all of that, they're all on Twitter anyway. Um, so, 
you know, if you want the news directly from people, and I think that's the opportunity for for leaders, for companies, for businesses, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, is to have that direct line to the audience. Now, Trump doesn't interact with anyone. He just uses it as a broadcast model. Um, and so, you know, if you're smart and a leader, you'd be using it for two-way interaction. I think Twitter is great because it's, uh, again, all the influences and the, the, the heavy hitters are on it, but it's the... Uh, the probably the last pure social media in that regard right. uh, in as much as anyone can follow you and you can talk back to them and that whole 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 bit. I noted you said you're obviously an advocate for free speech, but where do you where do you draw the line in terms of actually being accountable for what you say and who holds you who can hold you to that account? So with Trump, no one he can say whatever he wants and he's not accountable. Oh, 100%. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's crazy. There was some article the other day about how many lies he's told and been caught out, but it, it doesn't... No one cares. No one it, cares. it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so I see the opportunity more so now is when we don't trust, because all that's fueling distrust, mm. cynicism, yeah. all sorts of stuff uh, in the community. And so when we see leaders, companies, business owners, whoever do the other thing around and double down on being open and transparent and human and, you know, telling stories and adding value and lessons learned and we stuffed this up and all of those things, mm. all of those things. When they communicate with you as a human being, as a human being, in an authentic way, we gravitate to those people because they're rare. Regardless of whether they're... Jacinda they're Ardern. Jacinda yeah. Ardern, classic example. Yeah. She does live streams. She does them without makeup sometimes. Um, she's out in the field. She's holding it out there. Her hair's blowing everywhere, and she's she's real and she's authentic. And what you see is what you get. Um, and she's not trying to do a performance. And and that advice or your thinking on that would you apply that equally to companies and brands as much as any individual? Yes. Yeah. Well, companies and brands are made up of individuals. So this we don't do business with you know, logos, we do business with people and do sure. we trust those people. But, but, but I'm thinking, say you're a, a restaurant chain and you've done some baddies, uh, you've got your Facebook page, how much should they engage with the, the conversation that might be happening as comments? Many of might be negative. What, what's, is there a, a go-to lesson? If, if there, you... is, there is. A good example is uh, GoDaddy. So we've all heard of GoDaddy and mm -hmm. that's where we're talking URLs before. That's where you can get your .me from GoDaddy. Right. <laughs> uh, not a client. Um, but a, a number of years back they did, a, a, um, they did a, a Super Bowl ad and it was around puppy farms. And it was a cute little dog and it, it, found, it got lost and it found its way back uh, to its owner and everyone's cutesy eyes and it's good and, and the owner says, oh, thank goodness you're back. I've just built a website through GoDaddy so I can sell you sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, that went up in arms and puppy farming is a, is a big deal in America and it's probably not as as much in the media here. And uh, they jumped, the, the CEO at the time, his name is Blake Irving, he jumped on it straight away. They pulled it down. They said, this is not going on Super Bowl. We've heard right, you. Right. We didn't. We thought it was fun and cute. We obviously miscued on that. And he wrote a blog post. So, he, A, he's got the blog. They've already got the blog, their own media channel there. So they can, they're the true source of the statement mm -hmm. and the information. And then they spread it out there. They got it out there. Then he jumped on social media on Twitter and he started talking to people and said, thank you, you've enlightened us. You know, we didn't realise and this, this mm -hmm. ad won't be seeing the light of day. Killed it 
stone right. dead. By acknowledging the error. Yep. And then what repatriation are you going that, to do? That, that's the whole idea is what, what are you going to do about it if you think you got it wrong? Now, if you thought, nah, it's fine, we'll go out and fight that fight. But mm. um, the fact of the matter is you got the CEO front and centre, wrote the article, his name name's on it, he gets out on, and, and a lot of people would put out a press release and you wouldn't see them. And that's the old school. But mm. the new one is they've already got the blog, they've already got the audience, they've built it in advance of needing it. And so he's out there and he's talking to people and people think, no, oh, that's fair call. Is this, so, is this, sorry, is this what you mean about um, helping people become their own media channel? That's it, yeah. Think of it as a platform and, and planks of a platform. So you might have Twitter, Facebook, a blog, <clears throat> you know, and a YouTube channel. Right. I, I was just going to ask just before, the GoDaddy is a, a perfect example of what to do when in a crisis management situation mm. and, and the, by the sounds of it, got it right. But why do companies fail time and time again when they're put in that same situation to, and get it wrong? Because the, everything is in – they're always defensive. They're always they're, – they're besotted by the message and the old school way of doing things. Uh, and, and it's a lot of leaders. And, and when I do talks and presentations, they might come to me for social media, but it's really about connecting with your audience. I mean, the social media is the tools, blogging is the tools, content is the tool, all of that. It's about do you – you either want to connect – and communicate with the people who matter the most to the success of your business or cause or issue, or you don't. Mm. So this and is around the concept of storytelling, which has become quite a buzzword, I suppose, in the corporate world. Ab- you know, can absolutely. you tell a story? Yeah. Well, tell a story, but can you just actually be out there and be yourself yeah. um, without being throwing the jargon around? Um, Shane Elliott, who's the CEO of ANZ, is very good on Twitter. He's, you know, he's going to a meeting on he's on on the tram with all these with all these uh, exec mates, <laughs> and um, you know he's doing the selfies, and they're all looking very uncomfortable, but he's quite happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And and but he's taking people behind the scenes. He goes to a you know a bank branch, and there's a third generation uh, ANZ employee. And so he takes the photo with him and says, we love seeing, you know, multi-generational mm. And he just did a, uh, a video, a day in the life of the ANZ CEO recently. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's been really good. He's got his own Facebook page. And when he did his own Facebook page, it was really to firstly communicate with um, the, ma- the vast network of ANZ employees. But once you're out there, you're public anyway. Mm. And he's embraced it. He's not a natural performer, but he embraces it. And, and no doubt getting better all the time. Always. You, we all... You should see my early blog posts or my early videos. Just shocking. Was it all caps? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell us about that transition of you going from the boardroom conversations and small group meetings, giving advice and consulting, Mm. to being on a stage talking to hundreds at a time. Yeah, well, I guess I'm in the camp where it just happened and it evolved. Um, I've always been at the sort of the back end pulling the strings in the PR world. And I used to do presentations, you know, as I said, I ran an agency, we did some good work and we were often invited to do talks at, at industry, marketing industry mm-hmm. um, events. Mm. But but outside of that, I wasn't known. And and the, the blogging and the, and the Twitter and all that changed. So I got asked, it started really simply, and I'm one of those speakers who used to hate speaking and, and I'm, I've grown to love it. But <laughs> you do the, it well. I, I grow, I've grown to love it. But in the early days, it was lucky that I just went on panels mm. and I was just asked. And the good thing is the thing that I got over the hurdle was, well, I know this stuff more than anyone in the audience because I've been doing it and it's so new. So even if I stuff it up, they won't actually know. And then I just started getting asked to do, you know, like um, Institute of Company Directors and and it was outside of, excuse me, the the marketing area and more into business and community and, you know, I think I did a talk with Leadership Victoria and and so it just expanded. Now, I didn't chase those. Those came to me and then things built from there. Yeah. 
uh, to the point where um, I think I did a uh, one of the city councils in Melbourne and they wanted me to come and talk and they said, oh, how much would you charge? And I'd never charged. I think I calculated, I did 40 to 50 freebies um, because it was all about my business and my consulting right. yeah. and, and, and I was just learning a craft. And this council said, oh, how much do you charge? And I squeaked out a, a pathetic amount, which was probably two hours of my hourly rate. <laughs> and um, so I don't even call that a professional thing, and, yep. <laughs> and, um, which was fine. And then I did a, a, another talk, a free talk. Barry Markoff from ICMI was in the audience. Know, and that, know that name? You know that name? And um, t- it was um, probably two to three weeks later, he gave me a call and said, I've got a big franchise conference coming up, end of year franchise conference. Do you want the gig? How much do you charge? I said it. He laughed and um, he said, well, we'll get four times that. <laughs> he said, you've got to start. You can speak. You're a professional. You've got to start charging as a professional. And do you want to make speaking a gig? Yeah. So, so, so just for clarity, uh, you, you don't charge. Is that what I'm hearing? Is, is that the message <laughs> I'm hearing? You don't charge. Uh, Must have been the other Trevor Young we wanted to get on. <laughs> so what is the experience of an audience listening to Trevor Young on stage? What kind of take-homes... Or, or, or what is that experience like? Well, Do we all get out our phones and go to Facebook and so on? Well, I certainly uh, – I think one of my early ones is that, you know, the MC said, can you please put away your phones? And I got up and said, can you please get them out? And if you're on Twitter, please tweet this because this is the real world now. Yeah. Um, but – and you hope that they're not looking away. They're actually – I told myself that they're tweeting and, and really engaged in the, in, the, in the talk. Well, a lot of times, it, again, it comes through – it might start off as social media, but we build it into something bigger and – and I think in an audience like that, particularly around social and content and where, you know, where things are going, and this is not just the marketing departments, but it's everyone. So I'm less likely to talk to marketing departments now, more whole of uh, organisation mm. or, or different parts of the organisation. And they probably, you know, they're all aware of social media now, where it was a bit harder in the earlier days, but they've got their fixed views because it's the, the things that they use. But again, we, I take it away from the tools and I show example after example after example and I talk about how can you play a role in helping your company and your organisation connect, again, who are the people that matter the most to the success of your business and how are you connecting with them uh, as an organisation and what can the employees do? So it's, you know, it's different for different organisations. Gone are the days, I think, where people, uh, companies don't want them to be on social. Yeah, yeah. In the early days, they didn't want them mm, on at all. Yeah. Uh, a lot of franchise organisations like in the earlier days probably wanted control, but they want them to do it, but, but we're going to control you. So things have changed significantly. That, that leads into this idea of, of the gatekeepers losing control, isn't it? Well, I think the smart organisations today, they want their people as ambassadors and excited to be out there talking about the organisation. Sure, you've got to give parameters, uh, but I wouldn't call it a social media policy. I think guidelines or you know things like that just, in fact, educate people on what to say and what, mm. you know, uh, what the boundaries are. And let them go because you want you. You look at great organisations like GE would be one who do tremendous behind the scenes content and that sort of stuff. But you've got people from GE who are up there, you know, on social talking about their where they work. Mm. Isn't that what you want? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, the the logic behind doing good content for employees and keep influencers within organisation out to the wider world is excellent. But What's the barriers for stopping people? Because people, most people buy into this, but what stops a lot of these people actually creating this content? Well, I like it, uh, calling it more within an organisation building a culture of content where it's everyone's involved. Now, they might not be involved from a point of view of actually uploading anything, but there might be something happening and the, and the PR department, whatever, goes to them and says, listen, you've got to 
um, you know, an event happening, can we live tweet from it or do a live stream or be involved? If you're in a big organisation, social media doesn't just touch one part, and content is social media as well. It doesn't touch one part. You need buy-in from all the areas of the organisation. So is it legal? Is it HR? Is it marketing, PR? Um, and how do you do, how do you get buy-in, particularly a large organisation? Well, that's that's the fun and the games. But mm. you you get buy-in by bringing them in at the start. This is what we're trying to achieve. You know, I've worked with some organised very big companies, and they've got something like twenty to 30, 40, um, you know, social channels. And we we just go in and we say these aren't you're just spreading yourself. We'll just you know, how about we drop it down to six, right. for example, and and be more strategic about it. You have a bright new sexy book, Content Marketing for PR by Trevor Young, How to Build Brand Visibility, Influence and Trust in Today's Social Age. But I'm going to pick you up, Trevor. Micro, this is a previous book, Micro Domination, How to Leverage Social Media and Content Marketing to Build a Mini Business Empire Around Your Personal Brand. Have you heard of KIS? Keep it simple. <laughs> you know, you're in, the, in this world of 140 characters. That's the world's longest book title. It is, and I probably can't remember it now. Um, <laughs> took me a while to remember it. Is um, that the book that you – I'm in that book? Was that the one? Yes, yes, yes. You know, I'm, yes. In, I'm in that book. He <laughs> loves it. You know, I've got, a, I've got an ally over here. But, but is, it, f- is it a doodle in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, I think you look at a lot of business books and, and, and it's actually the subtitle is – that's a short subtitle compared to some of them. The story's in the, in, in the, in the subtitle, but I will say micro-domination was – I, I, I wouldn't call that book sexy by any means, but <laughs> micro-domination as of the name I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yes, very sexy. Uh, this time I thought, well, what's w- let's be obvious. Let's put on the tin what's in the tin, and mm-hmm. that is it. Fantastic. Content marketing for PR. Thanks for your time, Trevor. I reckon you'd be a great asset to any company in presentation because not only would you talk to the, to the whole of school kind of assembly, uh, each department would have their own questions. What about, what about my Facebook? What about our departments, et cetera? So you could then do many a, a, a smaller group, even down to one-on-ones like you and I did some years ago, about that branding and marketing. Thanks, Trevor. All the uh, power to you. And clearly the future is very much in where you are. And I reckon you know the stuff. Trevor, I've seen you speak before. And what I really like about uh, your your content and your presentations is that the real world examples that you bring in, you always bring in new and interesting real world examples, which I think is absolutely fundamental in this space. And if you want to learn more about Trevor Young and how you can book him for your next conference or event, please go to trevoryoung.me. That was Our Next Guest Is with Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC, Michael Pope. To hear more of our guests, you can find us on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break. Music